Welcome to a new episode of the Mama Goose Show, a safe platform where we discuss real life issues as a woman, mother, godmother, auntie, and now a nana. Life for me ain't been no bed of roses, nor sparkled like a diamond, but by God's love, grace, and favor, like the phoenix, I rose. Valerie Champion, a.k.a. Mama Goose. Today, we have a special guest. My dear friend, my dear sister, Malagros Lotus Romero is here to share her story and tell us how she rose above victimization. Come on along. Good evening, everyone. My name is Milagros Romero. Milagros means miracles. And I tell everyone that that is my life. Um, I have been living from miracle to miracle. Anyway, I was born in Puerto Rico, raised on St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands, and then went to live in Washington State which I love, 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 love. And now I am here in Georgia. <laughs> so I am here and I've been discussing a little bit about my life with you this afternoon, hoping that my story is going to inject some life, some hope, some joy, and whatever it is that you may be needing to be able to step up into the person God really created you to be. Did you want me to say something else? <laughs> no, I'll, I am hitting buttons over here, just trying <laughs> to get myself back in and um, was checking there's a, a, a Robin M says, um, hello um malagro on on youtube and i was like okay well let me make sure i let her know i don't know you know but there are um that's my sister she oh. is in washington state oh well, hello sister my sister from another father another mother she's just my sister amen <laughs> amen um well wow okay so you you was born somewhere and in then Puerto Rico. in Puerto Rico and then you would you live somewhere and then now you are here yes you yes. are like and you're honestly like in in arm's reach for me now I think you're in in Austell yes I am oh yes I'm in Douglasville I think about 25 minutes away from you and so um I, I have to come and lay hands on you yes <laughs> <laughs> well, um, like I said, we I won't hold um, the show up, but our, um, the title and I gave it "Rising Above Victimization" um, because I myself, you know, was a, a victim um, to um, sexual molestation, um, a victim of um, uh, domestic violence, and so you know, um, though the effect you know, it had on me was, was negative. And, you know, I, I did the victim role, but I feel like when I really forgave 
those individuals is when you know I rose up out of that situation. Um, but I'm here to hear your story because you you actually have a book, um, and I thought I downloaded the video because um, it is I I love the video, so I'm gonna try and find it um, on Facebook real quick while. If you don't mind um, just sharing your story, what as to what led to the book titled "A Muted Cage." The muted cage. The muted cage. Yes. I need to change that. Yes. Okay, so I'll start, and this is something that there is no good way to start it. It is just abuse, and it started very early in my life. I was a child. I remember as early as three years old, and some people are like, how can you remember that early? I do, and I'm not the only one in sharing my story. I found a lot of people that remember early at that age, things that happened to them. And so I experienced almost nine years of sexual abuse and I experienced more than 20 years of physical abuse. And one thing that, that people always ask me is like, why are you always smiling when you're talking about this? I'm not really smiling. I don't know what it is. Now I'm smiling, right? But it's not like I'm smiling because I'm happy that this thing happened to me, but I am really happy about the fact that I can speak about it, that I don't have to break down every time I talk about it. Because yes, it was a horrible experience. I suffered a whole lot. Um, I even started dealing with depression when I was maybe six, seven, eight years old. And I had a lot of problems happening with me i had a lot of sicknesses happening in my body because i couldn't share what was going on with me um a lot of people knew about the physical abuse because my mom was just explosive sometimes and depending where you were and what was happening you might get a slap or a beat down <laughs> in front of whoever was there. But now the, the sexual abuse that was um, happening, that it's something that I couldn't share, even because I was in fear of how my mother would, would handle it. So I had to keep a lot of what was going on with me very silent, very deep inside of me. And of course, now that we have had all kind of studies and all kind of people sharing their stories. We understand that when we are keeping these emotions and when we are keeping this suffering and this pain deep within us, um, there is a lot that goes on. And sometimes it doesn't manifest in a way that people could understand what is going on. And something that I like to make sure I mentioned is that not everyone experiences the same the same way okay we could have 10 people on that went through the exact same thing and 
their story is going to be different because it all depends on the ages that this thing happened. It all depends on the duration. It all depends on your maturity and, and the exposure and the environment that you are subjected to, okay? I, I, I am getting to the point where I don't want to be explaining my voice all the time, but I'm going to do it one more time. I lost my voice 14, almost 15 years ago now, and I lost it for a year and a half. I had no sound except laughing, crying, and sometimes I could yell, okay? There is no rhythm or reason for losing my voice except trauma. And then I started gaining my voice little by little, but people had a hard time um, understanding and I had to keep repeating, repeating, repeating. So now my voice fluctuates, it gets clearer and then it gets hoarse again. I am not sick, I'm well, I'm fine. That is just that story, okay? Let's go back. So in dealing with the experiences that I was enduring within my home, I had to keep everything a secret. I had to keep very quiet. And most of the time I didn't even want to be seen because I was afraid of what someone could see. And when I did show myself and engage with other people, I was always making people laugh. Um, I was funny and humor is one of the ways that my siblings and I dealt with the trauma within the home. We would be thinking, oh my gosh, when she comes home, we're gonna get a whooping and my heart is gonna be beating. I would put my, my hand inside of my blouse and I would show, show them how my heart was going to be beating. And then sometimes we mock each other about how we jump or how we cried. You know, we just had to do what we could to survive and humor. It's one of the things that, thank God, that um, I had that, that I could go out there and make people laugh. And after I wrote the book and a lot of people found out about my story, I was so surprised that there were people in my life, not my siblings, but like family friends and, you know, third, fourth, so-called cousins, you know, that kind of way, right? And I was like talking to these people and a lot of them came back to me and they would tell me, um, thank you so much for what you did for me. And I would be like, what are you talking about? And they would tell me that even though I was enduring what I was enduring, um, I made them feel good, I made them feel safe, I made them feel comforted. And that's something that when I started listening to these stories, it really made me cry. Because many times I wondered, where was my savior? Where, where was my, my hero? Where was my friend who was defending me? Who was taking care of me? And even for a time, I was angry at God because 
I wanted to know why if he loved me why he allowed me to suffer as much as I suffered and I was angry especially when I felt that my life was changing into me becoming a Christian and I had this experience where I was going out and I felt in my spirit not to go and I was supposed to be going to some party with a neighbor although the neighbor is older than I am I was a chaperone <laughs> one of those things right anyway I was supposed to go with her and this thing kept fighting within me and I heard within my spirit clearly if you leave this house you will not return and I I got really scared but I got so angry with God because I was saying to him now that the sexual abuse is not happening now you're coming for me why I don't need any help right now oh my goodness was I so wrong one of the things I want to talk a little bit about today is that many people think or figure out maybe they have not been exposed to the abuse right and they think that once the abuse is over you should be okay and that doesn't work at all it doesn't work you don't, you have to understand after the abuse is done then it's where where the trouble comes because now you're dealing with guilt you're dealing with shame you're dealing with depression you're dealing with looking at the people that hurt you and they're behaving like they never did anything to you and then you begin to blame yourself it's like maybe i did this to myself maybe i caused this to myself right how old were you what was when, it from the beginning i mean well you, you say as early so you you're saying that the abuse started as early as the age you said you remember was it 1 2 3 3 3 yeah we can remember things like now now the physical abuse started very early at 1 year old my mother burned my hand mm. um with a piece of paper like a paper bag she she tortured and she burned my hand because I was outside on the ground where she put me eating dirt and she had already punished me and it didn't work so she burned my hand you know and so what I, age, what age were you when it stopped the physical abuse yes the I physical was, <laughs> I was 20 years old when I got the last beating mm yeah at 15 year year old I got a beating with the leg of a dining table and that caused me to have my tailbone broken in two places from that beating and it never got corrected it never got you know addressed so it healed crooked and up to maybe 4 years ago i would be sitting fine and would try to get up and get get up you know so it affected me throughout my life and the sexual abuse was as early as i remember 3 years old until i was 12 years old so like 9 years right mm-hmm. and yeah 
Yeah, it started when I was 12. The abuse, the, the physically happening to me, you know, had ended. But then I had to deal with flashbacks. I had to deal with all these memories. I had to deal with the fear of thinking that any night, any minute, he's going to walk back into the room, you know? And it's so much that we deal with and people don't understand. A lot of people end up doing drugs. They become alcoholics because they don't know how to deal with it. Yes, yes, that's correct. Yes. You know, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people that end up in mental institutions because they can't deal with it. And people are so quick to tell you, just get over it. That was so it's long ago. Amazing. No, that stays embedded within you. Yeah. And and there is no way. And people that that pray for healing and all this kind of stuff, sometimes they they might misunderstand what I'm saying. The way in my life, because I cannot speak for anybody else. In my life. I go through stages of healing, but I am always in the process of healing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People might say, oh, well, if they pray for you, you should be healed and it's done. That's your opinion. That's, that's your situation. It is not mine. It is not how God is dealing with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. I wrote The Muted Cage and that book. You found I, it on the video. <laughs> that oh, this way. And that book, this book, cost me seven years to write it. Seven mm. years. Because every time I encountered a situation where I had to face myself, mm -hmm. I went into depression. Because they were they were situations where Again, I stayed, the abuse stopped, but the conditioning that came with it stayed in me. Mm -hmm. The low self-esteem that mm -hmm. came with it mm -hmm. stayed with me. Yes. The brokenness stayed with me. The yes. unworthiness, the shame, the guilt, it stayed with me. So every time I encountered a situation that, that broke me down, I ended up getting depressed sometimes for weeks, sometimes for months, right? So I wrote the book and people were expecting that now that you're talking about it and you're sharing it at schools and you're sharing it out there in the public, now you're going to be okay. No, that's part of healing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the part. That actually, that's one of the, the most important part. It's like, I'm getting it out now, yes. you know, yes. it's like I'm able to, I'm able to speak it. I'm able to voice it, you know, regard, I'm not looking, you know, for anyone to, to, to say, you know, you're going to be okay. That's not what I'm looking for. This is for <laughs> me. got to let it go in yes. order for me to get to the next step. And one of the next step is forgiveness in order yes. for me to even get to that step. I got to get it out first. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, I experienced forgiveness before writing the book. Um, my stepdad, who was the person that, that was the perpetrator, um, he was very ill and 
even when I got the news, because he had traveled to Puerto Rico with my mom. And when I got the news that this man had cancer, I broke down and I prayed and I begged God, please let this not be a punishment because of what he did to me. I was so broken. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I almost had a nervous breakdown because I was saying, God, this is this is my fault now that this man is suffering, that this man is going to suffer. He might even die. Please forgive him and forgive me because sometimes I never hated my parents, but sometimes I would get very angry at them because yes. nobody took care of me. Nobody defended me. Nobody helped me to get out of this. Now, another thing that people struggle with is that I say, I never stopped loving my dad because that's what I call him because he raised me from the time I was five months old. Mm -hmm. I never stopped loving my dad and I never stopped loving my mom. Now, my, and I don't want to make excuses. What is wrong is wrong. But my mom was dealing with bipolar disease and she was dealing with other mental situations. Okay. And she herself went through abuse of all kinds as a child, yes. right? Mm, and, that, cycle, that cycle. Yes. And when my mom would get very violent sometimes, the only person that could step in to her from hurting us was him. Mm. And, and his, his kids, because my siblings are his children. Okay. They didn't experience any of the abuse. So I was going to ask that question. <laughs> yes, because people would say, well, of course, he was defending you because he felt guilty. No, he was defending all of us. My mother would like lose her mind and go crazy. So he would be the one who would sometimes end up getting beat up because he got in the way. Mm. So it, it, I, I really struggled with this for a very long time. I thought something was wrong with me because people used to say, you should hate those people. You know, those people are horrible. They're monsters. And in my heart, I didn't feel that at all. And sometimes I used to think that maybe something was wrong with me. But honestly, <laughs> me too. Honestly, God has given me a love that I don't know. I don't know that if it's if it was because I needed that same love given to me, and He was giving it to me even when I didn't understand it. That God has given me such a love that. I cannot hold a grudge. Yeah, I, I, I can't do it. It doesn't feel good in my body. I, I will get physically ill if I am holding a grudge or something that is not right. I, it doesn't feel good in my body. It doesn't. And, <laughs> and one of the things that I have purpose in my heart is like, look, I suffered way too many years for me to go and put myself in more suffering because of unforgiveness. I cannot do it.
Okay, let's take a break. A brief break. My question is, have you subscribed to the Mama Goose show on YouTube yet? What you waiting on? Go on over YouTube and subscribe. Okay, back to the scheduled program. My sisters for supporting, yes. uh, for watching. Thank you. And uh, Robin said the muted cage is a must read, y'all. So with that being said, Miss Romero, I will give the floor to you for you to just tell people uh, a little bit more about your book and where they can actually, um, where they can find your book. And uh, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm working this thing. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you and I focus. I am here like stiff. I, I can't see anything that's being said or anything else. I'm just focused on, on bringing this message. Before I talk a little more about the book, I would like to address every person. And I say person because the same way women are abused, a lot of men are abused as well. And I can say that a lot of males have addressed me and their stories are very moving and sometimes we don't consider that men also go through this right but i just want to tell you and i don't want to i don't want to make it sound like it's easy because it's not as i said i'm still dealing and addressing these issues myself but do not dwell in blaming yourself, do not dwell in, in guilt. Please find a way that you can heal. I use so many things. I use affirmations, I use scriptures, I use music. And sometimes it's not even a church song. Sometimes it's a song that carries a message that is so moving that it, it helps me. You know, I put affirmations throughout the night Sometimes I put preaching throughout the night because I know that God heals, but I know that I have to do my part. My mother couldn't heal me. Even if she begged for forgiveness, that would not bring me healing. And you are not alone, okay? There are many of us that have been hurt, that are still walking around broken, but broken, but still being used by God. Because that is what he does. He takes anything and everything and he uses it for his glory. Because God already put a mission without, within us. And that mission doesn't die. Your value doesn't die, doesn't change because you have suffered, because you have been abused, because you have been misused, because you have been misunderstood. Find help. Okay, find help. It doesn't have to be anything specific start with helping yourself go get some counseling go get some prayer go get a group maybe that you can get some help from okay you don't have to do this alone i cannot get all the credit for myself i thank my siblings it was very difficult for them some of them are still struggling with the truth because it was their father but even so they have not turned their back on me. And so 
even if you have family members that have turned their back on you, there's somebody out there that is willing to help you, that is willing to encourage you, that is willing to help you. God has appointed people to bless you, to help you, to love you, to cheer you on, okay? Hey, find me, you can find me on Facebook, Milagros Lotus Beauty, and the beauty is B-E-Y-O-U-T-Y, Romero. I have a group that is called gratitude every day and you have to use the three exclamation points because somebody else copied my group um and i encourage people through the word through giving thanks i stay thankful because it helps me it helps me to realize that my life could have been worse it was bad it was like a, a duplex with hell hell on one side me on another but God was in the center and God get me safe and God has something for you. You need to go and get it. Sometimes you get it on your knees with prayer. Sometimes you just sit and you say, I don't know what to do. I need help. Send help. God listens. Believe me, God is not deaf. God is not dead. God is real and he is so real in my life. That I know that without him, I would not be here talking to you. So I plead with you, find some help. You deserve to live a better life. You deserve to know that there is life after abuse. We don't have to remain victims. I don't allow people to say a victim of abuse. And I don't even like survivor. You know what? I was a victim while it was happening. The minute that instance was over even though another one came i became a survivor because i survived that moment but now i am an overcomer and that is what you are even if you do not know it okay anyway being obedient my book the muted cage can be found in amazon just put the name of the book you can also find it on lulu.com that is l-u-l-u.com the muted cage and it is tough to read some of the stories but i am writing i wrote that book not as a victim i wrote that book after i had gained consciousness of who i am and how I lived my life and the changes I needed to make. By the way, this month, I'm gonna be releasing the sequel to it, which is, I'm talking about the healing process and things that I have done to continue overcoming every episode that shows up, okay? And so you can find it on Amazon, you can find it on Google Play or Google Books, I think it is, I don't know. Um, and lulu.com but find me on facebook okay milagros lotus beauty find me on facebook let's talk let's let's get it out you don't have to tell it to the world because not everyone is cut out to open up and speak okay god just decided that he was going to use me and i said yes awesome and i did share um a link to your facebook page um in the in the comment section um i i have no words 
words uh, <laughs> because I I truly believe in my heart, even for myself, that everything happens for a reason. And anybody who knows me knows that I say that quite often. And so if I say it, I truly, truly do believe it. Yes. So everything that we went through, regardless of how harsh it was, you know, it wasn't until our detriment. Yeah. We we overcame it. Yes. So that was the reason. God has plans for everything that we do. And I thank God that he didn't allow you, even though the abuser didn't take you out, he didn't allow you to take yourself out. Yeah. All of that trauma at no age, you know what I'm saying, that you decided, you know, to do that, but you persevered and look at where you are now. But I do want to just share with everybody that my dear sister moved from uh, St. Croix, <laughs> from the verge, from the verge, from St. Croix. When I tell y'all she ain't had nowhere to stay, I'm telling y'all she had nowhere to stay. She cut, she hit us up and she was like, "Look, God told me that I need to move to Atlanta." And I was like, "Okay, I do. I ain't got nowhere to stay. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I ain't got no job." I, when I say you step out on faith, when I say you step out on faith, my sister, faith, y'all. Glory to God. And it didn't take 30 days for her to do nothing, y'all. When I tell y'all, I was, I I literally just sat back and I was like, well, okay then, God. I yes. was like, well, that is the fastest I've ever seen you work, you know, but to hear what you have, what you've gone through and to see how that built up that faith. Yes. I'm going to be honest with you. I said, Lord, please give me some of her faith. <laughs> you know, because he, he, hey, God gives us our own measure of faith, right? Yes. So I am asking God, Lord God, please. Because when he say, Valerie, pack up and leave, going somewhere where I don't know, I'm not going to have any family, any friends. I want to be that obedient. For real, yes. I will seriously be that obedient. So my sister, I commend you on your faith. I thank God for your faith. I thank God for your yes on today, for coming on, taking time out to, to share your story. I know somebody was healed for the simple reason. I myself, I'm still healing. Yes. And to hear, you know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that's still going through the healing process. Yes. Because I'm still breathing. Yes. You know, because there are things that triggers. So it's like, ah. But <laughs> um, before we leave, I, I just, I want to, to just bless you. I, I ask God to continue to watch over you. I ask God to continue to guide your path and those doors that are, are going to open for you. Yes. They're, they, they're getting ready to open. I don't yes. care how long they've been shut, how long, how many locks on their doors, they're getting ready to open for you, my dear sister. Yes. Because of your obedience and because of your faith. 
Amen. And, and the thing is that I didn't know I had this much faith. Okay. Wow. I honestly didn't know I had this much faith because throughout my life I've always been a person that does for other people. But I wouldn't even pray for myself because that little seed of unworthiness on is serving. I can pray for you, but I refuse to pray for me because God don't need to do nothing for me because I'm good. He gave me enough, right? So when God said what he said, I was like, um, yeah, in June. And God said, why June? I said, I don't know. It sounds good to me. <laughs> I can I can procrastinate a little bit, you know? And then it was like, no. And then when he gave me the date, I mean, it was awful. It was awful because first, I didn't know where he was moving me to in January, end of January, he said, Georgia. I said, Georgia, why? I don't like the heat. I love Washington State. <laughs> <is> cool. <laughs> and then I said, you know what? It's your plan. I'll just follow. Then I was waiting for a date. February 20th came and my the pastor's wife asked me, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be doing it. I'm leaving soon. I'm like, he has not given me a date. She said, well, he gave me a date. And I said, well, that's good for you, but I need to know the date, so tell me. <laughs> and, and she said, no, he's going to tell you. So then the following Sunday, as I'm going to church, I heard March 17th. And I'm, I'm like, and then I, after the service, I said to her, I think I'm leaving March 17th. She almost fell off the chair. She pulled her phone. She said, look, on your birthday, January 27th, look the date that God told me. The 17th, okay? So I was like, okay, so this is for real now, right? So I looked then for three days, I was there like I couldn't move because I was scared out of my mind now. I was like, how is this going to happen? I don't know anybody there. I don't have any heap of money. I don't know where I'm going. You said Georgia, Georgia is big. Where am I going? Atlanta. You just land in Atlanta. Now, I've heard a lot of testimonies of people that God had sent them somewhere and somebody shows up with a card and their name is on it, you know? <laughs> so, oh, and the day before I was leaving, I fell and I hurt myself, right? Oh my so I had, I had to ask for a wheelchair. So I was on the wheelchair and they're pushing me and I'm looking around in Atlanta airport, you know, where is the, the sign with my name? <laughs> where are the balloons? Where are the whistles? I mean, I just got here. I did it. But before that, when I got to, to the airport of St. Croix, oh my gosh, I was there sitting and I said, okay, God, I remember Abraham, right? He did what you tell him to do. And when he was about to kill his son, you said, Aram, where is my Ram? Are you going to cancel this flight? So I was struggling with my faith, okay? But the thing is that I knew that God had spoken. Mm, and I am, I am not about with, with how much God has blessed me and loved me. Because what God is doing in my life is something that I never expected. And I said to myself, I am not going to say no to God. I will not refuse him. I will make this an adventure if I have to, whatever it is. But I am going to go. So I got to Atlanta airport, no balloons, no flowers, no. I'm like, <laughs> where are the people? Man, you said you were going ahead to plan everything for me. Okay, so I'm here. 
three days, go to a hotel, pray fast and stay in the word. On the, on that night, the third night, um, my friend, I, I think it was like the fourth night, she calls me from Daytona. I am coming. I'm like, were you coming where? I'm coming to you. I'm like, oh my gosh. She, she, I was like, I thought you were coming on Wednesday. No, God said no. 10 o'clock, she left Daytona, got over to, to Don Woody where I was at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then we went and I said, okay, so sleep a little bit, at least she slept. Then we went and we met someone and within an hour of meeting these people that I had never seen in my life, I had a place. Mm-hmm. I had a place. One and I was out. And, I, and that's another, uh, I'm a, uh, let me give y'all my, my, I have favorite scriptures, of course, but one that I like stand on those that I stand on. I like to share Mark 6, 33, seek ye the kingdom of God first and first. he everything else. I, I'm just saying, I, I'm just saying that's, that's, that's key. That yes. that's, and when he say move, move at, I'm, yes. I, welcome to Georgia. <laughs> thank you. I want to say, Croy. Well, I I, I want to thank you all for joining the Mama Goose Show um, today. It it has been fun. I am looking forward um, to ordering the book. I just put it up on Amazon. Um, I was. Okay, so your Mama Goose Nugget for today is simply this. We have all sinned against God, number one. We have all sinned against someone else. And so we have to learn to come to a point where we live, let go, and let God. Because if we want God to forgive us of our sins, we have to forgive others. And with that being said, have a blessed day. I love you all with the love of Christ. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Be blessed and be a blessing. See you on the next episode of the Mama Goose Show.